You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the Westside Community News. And today, the for the final time, I'm going to do a Pacers podcast, not at all talking about the Indiana Pacers. And instead, breaking down a draft prospect in this 2022 class, a very important draft for the Pacers, holding their highest pick since the 1980s. Today, we're going to talk about Tari Eason from LSU, a guy I am much higher on than the consensus, it seems, in this draft cycle. And joining me to do that, scouting all over Twitter, a bunch of former stops at places that I read all the time, breaking down draft prospects, is Zach Milner. Zach, what do you think of Tari Eason high level? Do you think he is a solid quality prospect in this cycle? Yeah. Um, first of all, thanks for having me on. I was vibing to the music that we had to start off. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, no, I'm excited to talk about Tari Eason. Um, definitely an interesting prospect for sure. Um, and I, I think there's an interesting fit with Indiana as well. So excited to go into deeper into it. Yeah, he a lot of his higher level skills are stuff that I very much value, and I'm trying to pick, you know, and, and choose between at least skills or trying to decipher like tiebreakers for prospects and things like that. There's just a lot of other little stuff that makes him not a slam dunk lotto guy. I have him in my lottery though, and and a lot of that has to do with his defense. And I know a lot of people have talked about his ISO defense, his on-ball defense. That's all very good. Uh, I was watching, I think it was Alabama they played in the SEC tournament. I was watching that game last night, and he had a few possessions where he'd be guarding a wing away from the play, and the ball would go to the weak side, and he would rotate down and then be guarding the post, and then go back to guarding the wing, and then defending the pick and roll. And so what stands out to me about his defense beyond his on-ball ability is he can just defend so many roles, whether that's in the post, on the wing, on a ball handler, on the ball, off the ball, whatever. He can transition between those in such a strong and effective manner that I really think his defense is what makes him such a high-level prospect this year. Yeah, I agree 100%. His defense is is really good, and like you said, he can defend a bunch of different roles. But one thing that I like about him a lot is just the defensive playmaking. Um, I think that's the same Bama game that I wanted to talk about for a sec. Um, but I think in that game, he had like back-to-back possessions on defense where he digged on a drive and got like you know, the jump ball on one and the turnover on the other. And I, I always, I don't struggle, but I always am a little bit more hesitant when talking about um, some defensive scheme stuff with teams because we're not there at the practices to know what their game plan is for certain games or how the coach philosophy is. But it does seem like from watching a decent amount of LSU this year, they are pretty heavy with digs and stunts, even from the strong side at times. So like sometimes it will lead to an open corner three at times. Um, but I do think for a, a good amount of the season, he was really, really disruptive um, on, on drives when he was digging and he was able to use his seven, two wingspan, use his length to his advantage to disrupt. And yeah, I do think he's a really good defensive playmaker um, with, with all the disruptions that he has. He can cover a lot of ground too, which makes the stunting a lot easier. Like especially at the elbow, I think he did like almost in this Alabama game at least almost every time. Arkansas less so. That's the game they lost, I think, in the SEC tournament uh, in terms of stunning from like the elbow. But yeah, he's all over the place there. And LSU switches a lot, which sometimes can make prospects not look as good. But at least in terms of NBA projection, and now that all these wings and like size players switch in the NBA, as has been the case for a while now, you know, having a guy who's got that under his belt already. Is solid, and I think the fact that he is able to do that 
at, you know, I don't think he'll defend like strong centers and, and post in the NBA like he could at LSU. But the fact that he transitioned from guard to wing to post in in various games makes me confident that even in, you know, non-drive, non-pick-and-roll scenarios, although those are very common, he'll be able to defend whatever matchup he happens to have on a given possession. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and one thing, I actually tweeted this the other, or maybe even just yesterday, but I was just looking up some historic stats. And on, on, Bart, on Bartorvik, I, I, over um, the last, or since 2008, there's only been two players um, at a high major school or at a high major conference um, who have met the following filter of a block percentage over 5%, steal percentage over 4%, and dunks over 25 and it's Tari Eason and Matisse Seibel. Like, that's really good defensive wow. company for him to be in as well. Like, his defensive playmaking, his event creation, it really was one of the better ones in all of college basketball this past year, even in the funky LSU scheme. <laughs> yeah, super solid on that end. And, you know, when I dig into advanced stats, those are two that I start at pretty quickly is steal and block percentage. They typically are good indicators for some level of defense and both way above the level that I'm usually like, oh, wow, that's impressive. I think it, I just did Sohan earlier this week and both of his are above three. And I was like, oh, that's great. They're both above three and Eason's are both above four, well over five or excuse me, six even in the block department. So very impressive defender. His offensive skills too. Nothing about Tari Eason's offense stood out. His rookie season or rookie. Wow. I watched too much NBA. His freshman season uh, when he was with Cincinnati, excuse me, uh, his offense was less impressive there. Uh, but anyway, with LSU this year, it really took off. Uh, the transfer really helped him. Uh, he was able to score from basically everywhere. They let him have the ball a little bit more often. The shot came around a little bit, although on limited attempts. I think he only took 70 the whole season. I had this in my notes somewhere. So, yes, his offensive game dramatically improved. Uh, looked like a better shooter. Became more efficient. And I wouldn't say his offense is, like, really strong. You know, he doesn't create a ton of separation in ISO for example. Uh, but I do like the way he improved on offense from year one to year two in college. Uh, and I think that, you know, he could be at least a solid secondary or third tertiary guy in the NBA. Yeah, for sure. I, I think I'm probably a little lower on his offense than some others seem to be, but that's not really my problem with him. I think I just am a little bit lower on the upside case for him on offense. But like you said, big improvements from last year to this year on offense. I think he is really really good in transition um that's where he yeah. can succeed a, a lot and then one thing he did really well this year is just i mean his ability to get to the rim he's so strong his slashing he was able to drive through a lot of players um they are college players they're not going to be the nba level athletes all the time so that is something to note um but he was really able to get to the rim and drive through players use his strength um and and he was able to to finish as well with the shot, like you mentioned, yeah, it was 78 threes this year. He shot much better this year from three and from the free throw line than last year. Still wasn't making even a three a game, but I do think there is some projection there to where you can at least feel somewhat comfortable in a shot. Um, I think there, I've seen some people like feel really comfortable with the shot, and I think that's fine. Um, I'm probably a little bit, a little bit more skeptical there, but it's definitely in the realm of possibilities with him, and I think that's something to, to consider. Yeah, uh, I don't know if I project him to be more than like at best an average shooter, um, but that that's good enough, I think, for me with his defense. And because a lot of the shots he creates are a little tougher, like he does a lot of off the bounce, uh, despite having some pretty limited vision. Like it's pretty clear every time he triples, he's trying to shoot. 
that he, he, he will be okay as a shooter, but more so as an attacker, I think, at the NBA level. Even though he doesn't create a ton of separation, the wingspan, the fighting through contact is pretty good. CBB Analytics has his at-rim percentage at 62 out of 91, so 68.1% this season. So I buy that his offense will be will be solid. At least his scoring level will be solid. His off-ball play, his passing, uh, we'll talk about those in the second segment, not based on strengths. But um, you know, besides being a little trigger-happy at times, I thought his scoring was pretty good on offense. But really, my favorite offensive skill of his, he's a good screener. Uh, that's kind of rare for guys who aren't traditionally centers at the college level, and I, I buy that as a way he can kind of fit in and make a niche in the pros. Yeah, no, I think that's something that's worth bringing up. And, and you could put him in like pick and pop scenarios um, and that can help with the guard. And then once he gets the ball and he's popping, hopefully the shot's falling. And if not, that's maybe a way where he can have a little bit of advantage attacking off the catch as well. Um, so I think that's definitely something worth bringing up. But to go back to the shot for a quick second, I actually have some stats I wanted to read out that I've, that I've uh, found myself. So his shooting splits throughout the year were actually really interesting. Over the first 16 games this year, he shot 27.8% from three, 10 for 36. But over the last 17 games of the year, 42.9%, 18 for 42. So his splits from the first half of the year, second half of the year, much better shooter to end the year. And then I actually went to look at his shot location as well because I think it's sort of interesting to, to try to figure out where some players are going to get their shots. Are they going to be stationed in the corner a lot? Are they going to be at the wing or the top of the key, like in pick and pop scenarios? Um, so at the top of the key this year, um, he shot 44.7% from three on the whole year, 17 for 38. So all these are obviously not the largest sample size. It's only one season of basketball and he didn't shoot that many threes. Um, but 44.7% top of the key, 28.6%, eight for 28 from the wings, and then 23.1%, three for 13 from the corners. Um, found that interesting because a lot of players also, even as rookies, they can sometimes be stationed in the corner and just sit there all game and sometimes they don't get the ball. They're out of rhythm. Um, but yeah, I thought it was interesting to look at his shot locations as well. Definitely uh, seems like a guy who likes the right side a little bit more, and you can see that when watching him. Not a good left-handed finisher uh, as we pivot into weaknesses anyway. So yeah, I like his offense's ability to be a play finisher as a score, but in terms of other stuff he does on offense, that's where... He doesn't quite become that slam dunk level prospect. So let's pivot to the weaknesses side for Tari's. Hey, let's take one short little break here so I can talk to you guys about betonline.net, your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports information. You can find all the latest sports developments, news, and odds, including this year's basketball championship matchup, the NHL Hockey Conference Finals, Major League Baseball, the latest fighting news. They got MMA, UFC, boxing, you name it. It's there. BetOnline is your continued source. For all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. For example, they've got the Colts opening game up already. They are four and a half point favorites over the Jacksonville Jaguars in their first game. I say that because Locked On Colts, if you're here for the Pacers, does have new hosts. I'm very excited for that. So Locked On Colts will be restarting uh, pretty soon. I don't know if it's Monday or, or later in the month, but that's exciting news. So uh, get excited for that if you're an NFL fan. And you can find all that and more over at betonline.net. Head over that website today or use your mobile device. To learn more about the trends in the action, go sign up at betonline.net, where the game starts. For sure. So so like you said, the left hand a little bit, the finishing. And I also think just the handle with the left hand as well. There, there were a lot of times this year. I do think it got better as the year went on. But there were times where teams would try to force him left, and he would still try to attack right. And then sometimes they would just be waiting for him. They'd, he'd bump into them and he'd have to back dribble and there would be no advantage created because 
he didn't want to attack left. And like I said, it did get better as the year on. There were a couple nice drives left with a couple nice left-handed finishes. But I do think just finishing with his left, attacking left, tightening up his handle. I think the handle with either hand um, could use some improvement. But I, I do think getting those together is definitely an area improvement for him. And if that happens, that definitely helps his driving as well. His handle at Cincy was terrible. <laughs> I think I think his turnover rate was like twenty five percent his freshman year. Like it's definitely something he's gotten better at, and it's still bad. And the you know something about him going left is like he rejected I think every screen that they would try to give him because he always wanted to go right or get to spots on the right side of the floor. And so that's that's where his offensive limitations come in. It's like he's big enough and strong enough and fights through contact enough to you know get good shot attempts up, be able to score. But because he wants to do a lot with his right hand because he doesn't have a lot of vision. Like he had a really good pass against Bama in the game I referenced earlier. Uh, the guy got 10 feet from the rim, stopped, threw it between two defenders, and his teammate missed the layup. But I was like, oh, you know, that, that was pretty good vision. I never saw it again <laughs> like any other game <laughs> yeah. I watched. So, uh, teammates, the, missing layups, or, teammates missing layups is college basketball for you, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It makes assist stats kind of, kind of bunk sometimes and you dig through prospects like this. So – you know, at first I, I put vision question mark in my notes and right under it says no. <laughs> so he's just not he's not a playmaker at all. Doesn't get his set up his teammates for good shots. I think he eclipsed one assist per game, but barely. Uh, yes, exactly one per game. Uh, 33 in 33 games. So, yeah, not going to be a playmaker very often. I think that at the pro level, you know, his free throw rate was, was pretty good. Like he can get to the basket and draw contact and, and create in that way. But he, I would not – want to use him as a guy who has the ball as much as he did at LSU in the pro level because the, the vision's not great. The limitations with one hand are not great. You know, I think uh, that he'll have to settle into more of an off-ball finisher role, and that's fine, but it does kind of display that his weaknesses are, are pretty hefty when it comes to what he can do with the ball in his hands. Yeah, and I think that's where I, I, I agree with everything you said there. I think that's where I have differed from other people who have made the upside case for him because I think people have tried to project him a little bit more on the ball at the next level. And that's where I'm a little bit lowered on because like we talked about the handle, passing, um, the left hand. And yeah, against pressure, he wasn't the best either. But I do think like we talked about the slashing, the finishing, and if the shot comes around, that's still a really good player to go with his defense where you still have a starter caliber player. So that I still think he can be that good of a player. But yeah, the on-ball stuff is where I'm a little bit more skeptical but, I mean, we, we have seen some kind of growth as well with other players. So I, I wouldn't rule it out. I'm just not confident in it. My high projection is mostly just that I'm, like, irrationally high on his defense because I think he can defend at most mm-hmm. levels there. But, yes, his offense certainly leaves a lot of room for concern. And a lot of stuff that people tell me who, who don't like him, and I sort of agree with this, is, like, sometimes even on defense and offense, away from a play, like, not only is he look uninterested, he's just not doing anything. <laughs> like he's just kind of standing around. And so I am curious about his engagement level away from plays. And that, like, I always feel bad for these college kids who are like better than everyone else on the floor. Like, how hard is it to stay focused in this game against you know some irrelevant competition? Like in the SEC tournament, this wasn't happening as much. But away from the play, even on defense, that's something I think he needs to work on uh, specifically because yes, his on-ball defense is great. Inaction is great. Three, three levels, air quotes, of, of defensive impact. But when he's not around the play, it does seem like he, you know, he, he squeezes in too tight to try to get involved, or he falls asleep and, and doesn't realize that his man's relocated a little bit. A lot of stuff that can be cleaned up, but it's still problematic right now. Yeah, I think I think that the instincts are really good on the defensive end, um, but there are times where he does lose his man, whether it's on a back door 
or his guy relocates or whatever like that. So I definitely do see that um, as well. So I think that's definitely worth bringing up. I think overall the instincts are still really good on that end. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, like, I don't think that squeezing in too tight is a problem. Like you talked about the stunts of the digs being really good. It's just sometimes it, it was too much or not well-timed or clearly just autopilot kind of stuff for him. Uh, what else do you feel like in the weaknesses department that we haven't hit on? Um, I would say um, with how we talked about how he does get to the basket a lot, I sometimes does feel like he does force up shots where he doesn't need to. So the decision-making on drives could improve. Actually, that's one weakness to, to, to bring up. And another one is just in, in the finishing thing in general, I wouldn't say it's a weakness, but um, just a question mark is, is he's going to be able to still use his strength like he did in college? Will that translate to the next level against NBA level athletes? I think that's something to think about as well. Yeah, I have the, the word trigger happy in my notes. I, I think I said that already. Uh, because when he's cut off from the rim, he still tries to shoot if he gets that half step on his man, and it's not enough of an advantage for him to be willing to shoot. And you know, this is sort of silly, but sometimes I, I put a little bit of stock into this. Like right at the rim, he shot really well, 69%. But in the lane, this is again CBB analytics shot charts, shot charts, 40.7%, a huge drop off, right? So like if he's walled off in the lane, he doesn't have the vision and decision making to do anything else, and he likes to get the shot up. But it's like to his detriment at times because he's taking bad shots or ill-advised like pull-ups from too far away or with a man right kind of right on his hip. Like those sort of shots, that sort of decision making was not there for him very often in a way that was was killer at times. Like that was where LSU kind of struggled on offense. They didn't have like great creation or setup situations. So when he would do that, their possession was just over a lot of the time. So I definitely agree with you there that that's somewhere where he need, he would need to do, get some work in and you know I. It's a weird growth area because the floater can be such a good counter at the pro level, but like growing through it can make a player look really bad, and it's a kind of a painful skill to add. Yeah, and, and to be fair, there's there's definitely a chance where he's just he's still stronger than some NBA players as well, or he just is able to um, take advantage of smaller players that get switched onto him or guards on him. He can still bully through those kind of players, just maybe against NBA wing, it's a little bit tougher. Um, but yeah, th- there were times this year where he would try to drive on someone, and they did wall him off at the basket he either tried to lower his shoulder to bump through them or he would spin to the other way and, and finish and it was very successful in college i still think he's going to be an above average and probably a really good finisher in the nba uh, but it's just something to consider that it might not be to the same level as it was at lsu you think at his height he'll ever be asked to play center at the pro level i think that's up to the team i, I think if a team is going to be creative it's worth experimenting with. I'm not sure if it will succeed or not. It's something that I've thought about myself. I do think if he can find a way to be successful there as a small ball center, that just opens up so much kind of lineup flexibility and that can make the case for him even more intriguing. So I actually do hope a team is creative enough and and wants to try it and experiment with it. But there are some teams who won't even consider it, unfortunately. So I'm not really sure how that's going to look. But I I really do hope we can see that. Yeah, I don't think I ever saw him back to the basket a single time. So I, I don't know how to project that specific skill. But as a screener and dive guy, like I kind of like that idea for him in the NBA just in terms of getting around some of his weaknesses if he's playing the five. I, I like that idea. It's a way for him to have a sl- potentially slower defender on him, space the floor out a little more for an offensive team. And this is just a natural transition to his NBA fit. But yeah, I think that the five, I mean, not all the time, but in spurts could be a really good fit for him in terms of the way the NBA game is played now and the skill set that he has. 
Yeah, I think on offense, it's pretty easy to see how it can bring value to the team. Um, I think where I'd want to see is will the defense be good enough with him as the biggest guy on the floor? Is he going to be able to protect the rim or how is their rim protection? Where is the rim protection going to come from? Um, or are they just going to switch one to five? But there still needs to be some guy protecting the rim. So like, how does the defense look with him at the five would be more of my question because, yeah, I, I'm – I think the offense is pretty easy to see. Like you said, you can get a slower guy on him. If the shot comes around, you have five people who can space the floor. He can pick and roll, pick and pop. The offense will be quite intriguing at, at the five for him. The defense is where I would love to to see and see how it goes. Yeah, I don't, uh, there's not enough film of him defending post-ups. There's not for any college guy. It's weird because the game is played with like guys around the basket, but post-ups aren't that common. It's <laughs> I, I hate college basketball sometimes. But anyway... <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting projection because I think his NBA fit is good. Like he is the tools, the skills, the switching, you know, the, the way he plays an offense, like pretty good fit with what NBA teams want now in terms of wing size dudes who can do this and that on both ends, especially if he can settle into a non-primary role. And he wasn't like a super primary at LSU, but he did have, I mean, mega, what is his usage end up at? Yeah, over 30%. So that's pretty high. You know, if he could settle into a much lower than that sort of usage draw on offense, but still be a pretty high level defender. Like that's a fantastic NBA fit just in terms of the skill set he has and what teams are looking for. The question is, how does that translation look on offense? Because I think his growth into the pro level in a more spaced out game on defense, no problem. But on offense where he does kind of struggle to create a separation and ISO will be a little tougher. So his growth into the pro level is pretty interesting to project to me. Yeah, I think that's what's going to come. I think we both agree that the defense should translate. It's not 100%. much of a question yeah. there as well. Um, so it, it really does come down to the offense with him. And, and he still has offensive skills like we talked about before, the finishing, the slashing, the transition. And then the shot hopefully comes around and is good enough. We do have to remember NBA range, a little further back, further back than college, but right. and most of the time they have enough time to, to work on that. Or even if it takes a season to get to where they need to be, it's fine. Hopefully the shot comes around. If the shot comes around, you, you you do have a really good player there. I mean, that's a really valuable player to have someone who's that good defensively with that size and who could hit shots. Like you said, want him to maybe rein back a little bit the usage, um, maybe lessen the decision making as well, and, and improve that. Don't make don't have him make too many decisions. And and yeah, you have a valuable player. Yeah, you know, he's going to be one of those guys you have to bake into him. Like, if you catch it and that your defender's not within a step, you just shoot or pass right away, and then he'll be really valuable. But if he catches and thinks at all, all of a sudden your possession slows down, or, you know, it's a much more complicated situation in that way. The Pacers specifically, uh, they employ currently, I think, I think one forward <laughs> of their 11 people on the roster. Um, Want to play fast with Tyrese Halliburton. They have the creators going to have the ball all the time. What do you think of his fit with the the roster and the ecosystem that Indiana has in place right now? Yeah, I like the fit. Um, they definitely could use the wing size that he has um, and the defense that he brings as well with what they have. They definitely could use that. Like you said, they want to play fast. He fits in there. Um, they have guys who will handle the ball so that's not too much danger from him. I think the fit is really interesting. Um, my, my one concern that I'd say is I personally – would not want to take him as high as they're picking. Um, that's my that's my one thing that I would bring up. But the fit itself, like if they were to trade back and pick him, I would be very, very intrigued with the fit there. I have him 10th uh, to spoil it for you right now. And I think that's higher than most people these days. Uh, so, you know, I would not pick him 6th. Um, and fit-wise, skill-wise, 
not a traditional sixth pick. That not that that matters, but I would not pick him six for sure. They do have the the ability to get another pick around his range. Uh, so that that's more where I'm doing this, and I'm covering all the lottery guys. So I agree with you. Where do you have him, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I have him in the the ten to fourteen range. Um, yeah, tiered off. I'm He's in his own tier for me too, part, so but, it's easy for me to say ten. Yeah, the the, the back the back end lotto um, sounds good for me. And like you bring like like you brought up earlier, like not a typical six pick, and I agree with that. But at the same time, like I don't think anyone in this class is a typical fifth or six. Like yeah. this is like the don't want to say the worst, but it's just not ideal to be picking fifth or sixth in this draft. It's just not where you want to be. Like some player has to be picked fifth and sixth and seventh. So they're going to get picked, but there is definitely a fall off after, I mean, who knows the top four might not go how I think it goes. And then the fifth pick or the sixth pick ends up falling and it makes it an easy decision for a team. But, but yeah, if the top four that I like end up going top four, then there is a fall off for me. Yeah. My tier is five through nine after four. So not yeah. the best to be a spot picking six. So I, while I do like Eason's fit with the Pacers in terms of what they need, how his transition play would fit in with, with what they're trying to do, how he would be asked to play alongside a guy like Halliburton who should have the ball all the time, what they need on defense, like all that check. Great. Great. I don't think they should pick him at six. I don't, I don't want to insert that. And I said the same thing with Sohan earlier this week. It's like, yeah, he he's a good defender. They could use his skills. Like he's going to be probably plug and play anywhere since he'll never need the ball, but not at six. Right. So like, these are good lottery prospects, and I think it's worth discussing them in the context of the Pacers, but not at six. It, it just would take a later selection or a trade for them, for me at least, to be able to select this guy. Yeah, no, I agree with that 100%. Um, who knows? Uh, I don't think I've seen any reports of possible trading back, but you never really know what's going to happen. If, if they trade back and, and something comes up, then okay, cool. Then you've talked about him, and, and we can have a good player in Sohan or Tar Easton, and that's great. Um, but yeah, at six, I'm, I'm a little skeptical there, but... I, like I said before, I don't want to pick anyone at six right now, so you have to accept someone there. Yeah, I think that to, to close up the Pacers part of this discussion, the re, the reason I think it'd be such a good fit is just just for the defense, like we've said a million times, because like O'Shea Brissett is, and, and you don't really project. I know projecting for the team you have now is kind of silly because NBA rosters change so fast, but they have like he might be their best on-ball forward defender, if you if they picked him, like, the second they call his name. <laughs> like, they, O'Shea Brissett's not really that guy, and, you know, Chris Duarte's not, he, he could be eventually, but isn't yet, and Buddy Heald's not a good wing defender at all. Like, they don't have anything there, right? He might step in day one and be that. So that's where his fit is most natural to me with the Pacers, even though he does have good offensive range there. But, yeah, like we've kind of nailed in here, it doesn't make sense for them to pick him with the pick that they currently are slated to have. Yeah, I agree 100%. But it is fun to talk about the fit like we have just because it, it is it does seem like a pretty easy fit on both ends of the floor. I covered all the lotto guys. I even did Mark Williams, who the Pacers will uh, certainly <laughs> certainly not be picking in this draft. So yeah, thank you, Zach, for the time. Tari Eason, really, again, really interesting to me if the Pacers get another lottery pick via trading a vet or trade back or something like that. I think makes a lot of sense for them, but at their sixth pick, maybe not necessarily. Any other closing thoughts you have on him? No, I mean, I think we, we, we covered everything. Um, I guess one more thing I'll, I'll throw in um, is, like I mentioned, the NBA range. I actually have put together a database um, of just going through synergy shot chart data and finding shots of players who shot from NBA range. Um, and, and I was able to get Eason's um, in there. Not the best from NBA range, actually. Only shot, small sample size, only shot um, 23 NBA threes this year. Was five for twenty three on those attempts. Twenty one 
0.74%, but very small sample size doesn't mean too much. Just wanted to add another uh, little bit of information to him. But but no, I, I think that we covered everything with him. Talked about the strength a lot. Talked about the, the areas for improvement. Um, yeah, I think we touched everything. I agree. I'm really eager to see where he gets picked because there, I, I think he'll be a pretty situational prospect in terms of getting minutes and growing on the defensive end. Zach, thank you very much for the time. Where can people follow you and all your draft content with only like six days before players' names are called? That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're so close to the draft. It, it is crazy. Um, but yeah, just I, follow me on Twitter, at Zach Milner13, um, and that's it. I, I will probably... I'm not going to put out any pieces before this draft, but once this draft is over, um, I'll start getting working on the next class and hopefully put out some pieces for the next uh, draft cycle. Next draft cycle looks uh, just, a, just a wee bit better than this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree uh, 100%, but every year we say this. Every year we say the next one looks better, and then we come into the year, and then we lose like five of the top 15 guys that we thought, and then we're all yeah. depressed again. So, I mean, I agree. Next next year should be better than this Right year. as of now. Outside of Wemby. Even beyond that, there are a lot of quite good Yeah, no, it, it really should be much better next year. But we did lose like five to six top 15 guys pre-draft uh, this year. Just like people that and were there's a player the named Scoot, which I can't wait to say like 100 times. <laughs> yeah, he, he's been – at Ignite this year, he was dominating the G League at his age, which is incredible. I, I watched Dyson Daniels tape and I was like, oh, man, can we just skip ahead of here? <laughs> Scoot, yeah, Scoot, no, Scoot, Scoot's Scoot a lot of fun good. to watch. It's pretty good. A lot of fun. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. Hope you had a great week. Next week, since we're done with the draft prospects now, we'll be talking draft previews, uh, the center free agency preview, who they pick. Obviously, a lot of breakdowns there, seeing what the Pacers actually do on draft nights. They don't have to speculate anymore. So thank you guys for listening. Have a great weekend, and we will see you on Monday.